Peter, as we continue our series in First Peter, um, I, I realize Marilyn is not here. Um, a quick update: um, my dad is in hospice care now, and uh, he fell this past week. Marilyn was down there. Um, I came back earlier in the week, so Marilyn's still there helping care for my dad, and I'll be going back down at the end of the week um, after next Sunday. Um, but if you would, uh, just remember to pray. Um, you know, you get a lot of requests from up here to pray. You know, pray for, for Jorge and David, you know, and I'm asking you to pray, and we're, we're praying on Sunday morning. M- brothers and sisters, prayer is what we do. Um, prayer is a part of our life, and we we dis- we express our dependence on God through prayer. And so, when someone asks you to pray and you say yes, do it. <laughs> Write it down. Just just don't encourage them by saying, "Sure, I'll pray for you." But then the the week goes by and you don't pray. Let's let's be faithful to do that. And and I realize you can't pray for everything all the time, but just to be able to remember uh, those in prayer. So that would be important. Every, every so often, I, we, as we read God's Word, as, we, as Devin and I preach and others preach, we come across certain passages that are just incredibly practical. Um, they're they're they get really down deep into daily living, just life in, in the world that we are placed in and, and how, how we are to live. And, and that is where Peter is at as we are in this series. Peter, Peter's an older man. He's experienced much to, in, in, his, in the past 30 years since he was a disciple of Christ. He's involved with the churches in Asia Minor who have been experiencing Life in the real world, life in a world where there is much opposition to their Christian faith. And these people are suffering, these people are, are persecuted at times, they are ridiculed, they are mocked because they are followers of Christ. And they, and they live in a world that is, is not much, much different than our world, where having left the world that they were in as sinners, the world that they were in where everything goes, that they did what was right in their own eyes, that they, they found pleasure in whatever they wanted to find pleasure in. God has, has as Peter wrote earlier, God has m- taken them out of darkness and by the gospel brought them into his marvelous light. They've been transformed. Their lives have been changed, and yet in the midst of that, as, they have, as they're working to pursue their relationship with God and to, to stand as those who are lights to the world, to, to reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are being opposed. And it's, it's wearied them, and it has tested their faith. Peter writes to remind them 
of the hope that they have in Christ to strengthen them in what they know is true about their salvation, about their relationship with God, and to challenge them to live for Christ regardless of the circumstances that they find themselves in each and every day. So central to Peter's instructive letter is to help them understand how to live in the world that they are in. And that's why this this passage this morning that we will be looking at is is so practical because these men and women of these churches in Asia Minor, they're, they're Peter calls them exiles. He calls them sojourners, men and women who are no longer citizens of this world, but citizens of the kingdom of God, citizens of of a new world and a world that one day they will see in all its fullness, they will experience in all its glory as their salvation becomes complete in Christ when they stand before him on that final day. And as we talked about the last time in in chapter 2 verses 11 and 12 Peter Peter becomes practical he shifts from from this theological basis of who they are in Christ and what Christ has done for them and and what their future holds for them and then he gets very practical in verses 11 and 12 he says beloved I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul and then he goes, he goes deeper in this practicality. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Peter says this, look, in the midst of the world and the, and the trials and the, the, the ridicule, the mockery, the, the difficulties of, of facing those who oppose you for your faith in Christ, in the midst of that, listen, listen, the first thing you need to do, abstain from the way you once lived so that you don't in any way dishonor the gospel and keep your conduct honorable. For what purpose? Oh, for this purpose, keep your conduct honorable so that those who do ridicule you and mock you, those who oppose you, those who slander you, those who falsely accuse you, keep your conduct honorable so that they will glorify God on the day of visitation. In other words, adorn the gospel that has changed you. Adorn the gospel that has transformed your life and do it in this world among those who do not like you. Do it in the the daily living of going to school or work or the grocery store or just hanging out at the park or the neighborhood that you live in. Do it. Adorn the gospel right where you live. And Peter says, do that by honorable conduct. And now in verses 13 through 17, Peter gets even more practical this morning. These coming verses from from 2.13 all the way through 3.7 Peter is addressing, in, in, in the practicality of life, he's addressing three sets of relationships. The first one that we'll study this morning is 
a Christian's relationship to civil authorities. And then next week we'll talk about a Christian's relationship to employer employees, or as, as Peter talks about, masters and slaves. And then we'll go on to chapter 3, husbands and wives and households. But this morning, Peter starts with our relationship how do we live practically? How do we act? What's our conduct like with civil authorities? In verse 13 of chapter 2, Peter writes this. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. In the news this past week, just this past week, the Chinese government raided a church on a Sunday morning, forcibly removing every member of the church and then demolishing their building in front of them as in response to new regulations that have been put in China to curb faith, to curb religion. This church experienced the full wrath of the state. And while this is not currently happening here in the United States, the tide against Christianity is rising among us. Also in the news this past week, one of the Democratic presidential candidates called for churches that do not support same-sex marriage to be stripped of its tax-exempt status. This candidate wants the government to punish Christians for obeying Scripture. Now, Peter has more than 30 years of experience with this kind of opposition. Early on in his disciple as a disciple of Christ he watched the Sanhedrin persecute Jesus he lived under Roman dictatorship he saw them exercise their authority the Romans in wicked ways that eventually brought the beheading of John and Jesus's death on the cross Peter was flogged for his faith in Christ and Stephen was stoned to death Peter was in around all of this he understands opposition. And yet, with all of this personal background, with all of this experience, he still writes these holy, inspired words because he is a caring pastor. He's a pastor who desires to equip this church, these churches in Asia Minor, to say, look, look, it is, it is a hard world you live in. And it is harder still because you believe in Christ. And you follow him. And he, in his desire, he desires to see every one of these believers do what we just read in verse 12, that, they, that God would be glorified on the day of visitation because we have kept our conduct honorable even in the midst of a world that is so radically opposed to our faith 
in Christ. And he does not want these readers to lose sight of how impactful their conduct is and how impactful their conduct will be in adorning the gospel even as they endure living in a hostile and fallen world. It's not surprising, though, that these inspired words be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. That these words in our day and age don't exactly inspire too many people. This passage is blunt, it is stark, and it is difficult to make sense of when we think of not just our government, but of the wicked governments we see throughout the world, whether it be North Korea or China or Russia or Nepal, or we go, and, and yet, and yet, Peter says, be in submission to all of these governments. Every one. It's what Peter is demanding practically of every believer because he has this one purpose in mind that these folks who oppose us so radically will glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, for many years, both commentators and pastors have tried to soften this verse and to kind of, well, this is not exactly what Peter meant. Well, no, he didn't mean every human institution, and, and he's, he's not, he wasn't thinking about, you know, what's going on in North Korea and, and the, no, 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 no. Um, Peter's opening words, yes, they, they press us hard beyond what might seem reasonable and right and logical. I mean, you, 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 you read these verses, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him. And you may be thinking, you mean you don't subject to, to Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic Party, Montgomery County politicians? They're corrupt. Many of them are corrupt. Many of them are wicked. Many of them are moral. Many of them despise us. Does Peter really know what he's talking about? He does. He does. He calls us to be subject to. He calls us to be in submission to the very governments that we live under whether it's in Bolivia or it is in the United States or it is in North Korea or it is in China, he calls every believer to be subject. And three main ideas from this text this morning are motive for submission, our reason for submission, and our practice of submission. These words, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution can tempt us to say, well, Peter, you are not living in my day and age. You, you don't have the people in charge that I have. You, you wouldn't say this if you were living here. Oh, but yes, that's exactly what Peter is saying. And we, we can't escape the commands he places before us in this passage, and we cannot debate him. 
We are not called to debate him. We are not called to try and marginalize or soften these passages, but simply obey them. He is commanding submission and obedience to governing authorities even when they themselves are ungodly. There, there is a sense of urgency in Peter saying, be subject. This, this makes sense because of the difficult times they're living in. They're living under Roman oppression. When Peter wrote these, there were, there were many charges against Christians that they were seditious, that they were treasonous, that, that they, were, they were cannibalistic, they were, they were cultish. They were all these things. And people, all the surrounding culture was accusing and slandering Christians of this. And so Peter is saying, look, look, there is, there is one area that, that can speak loudly, most loudly to those around you, and what is this? Honorable conduct. And what does that honorable conduct look like? Be subject to every human institution. The emperor, the governors, the leaders, whatever form of civil government you live under, Peter's words are clear be subject. It means Christians are, are, are to obey. And that, this is, this is our, our motive. Our motive is, is this, be subject, and Peter says this, for the Lord's sake. So he's, he's actually, in the long run, it is for your sake. It, it will serve you because Peter goes on to talk about that those who are, do evil are punished and those who do good are praised. But, but it is for the Lord's sake that you be subject. Peter, Peter doesn't let us escape the weight of this passage. It is for the Lord's sake. This is our motive it, it means, as Christians, we are to obey the laws of the land, whether federal or state or local. We are subject to every governing authority for the Lord's sake, for the good of His name. For verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. For the Lord's sake, we are subject. Now, Peter, Peter does not address in this passage what to do when the authorities make demands on us that violate Scripture. There are many other passages that do respond to that, but he, he's not unaware of what's happening uh, because he himself stood against authorities. In, in Acts chapter 5, in verse 29, and I apologize, I lost my Bible. I left it on top of my car. And so... It's somewhere in Montgomery County. Maybe, maybe an unbeliever will find it. <laughs> in, in Acts 5.29, but Peter and the apostles, uh, we're actually going to go to in, uh, in 19 and 20, start there. Peter is, is before the high priest, but during the night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple by daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of Israel, and they, and they brought in the officers. And what did they do? They flogged Peter. And Peter said, you know what? It's okay. 
You can tell us to stop, but we will never stop preaching the name of the Lord. Peter, civil disobedience because he was asked to violate God's word. But that's not what Peter's teaching here. That's not what Peter is teaching here. Peter is saying under ordinary circumstances, every believer should support the civil government in its promotion of law and order for the Lord's sake. And our perfect example is Jesus Christ. You think about how he, he did not revile when reviled. He rendered unto Caesar what was Caesar's. When authorities came in the garden to arrest him, he told Peter to put his sword away and went submissively with them. This is our motive for submission, for the Lord's sake, to honor his name, to have his name glorified on the day of visitation. We do this. We, we submit out of loyalty, our loyalty, not to the governing authorities. We submit out of our loyalty to God for the Lord's sake. Be subject, Peter says. Now, not surprisingly, we live in a world today, not just in the church, we live in a world today that despises these words, be subject. subject. Even among believers, passages that speak of a wife being subject to her husband are difficult to accept. Well, that was the culture back then. That's not the culture now. We don't, we don't do what they did back Oh, yeah, yeah, men, men were chauvinistic back then. Men, yeah, and, and that's not what, no, no, no. That's not what Peter says here. And we, we get to chapter 3. He's very clear. Be subject is a very clear statement. And what was meant then is meant today. In spite of the emotions that it evokes. Peter is aware. Peter is aware of all that's going on around him. He, he, he writes these words, brothers and sisters, God is present. He is aware of your surroundings. He is aware of the governing leaders. He is aware of what you face. And yet, for the Lord's sake, brothers and sisters, be submissive. Be Subject for his name and for his glory. Now, understand, when Peter writes these words and he writes them to the churches he's writing to, the emperor at that time is Nero. Nero. Nero, who hated Christians, Nero, who falsely accused them of destroying Rome. Nero, who incited a campaign of hate and terror against them. Nero, who eventually put Peter to death. Peter writes, submit yourself to him. And not only to him, but to the governors he put in place. And you know who those governors are? Pontius Pilate. Felix, who was Paul's enemy, that's who Peter sees when he's writing these words. Brothers and sisters, submit to Nero. Submit 
to Pontius Pilate. Be subject to every human institution. Why? Why does Peter say that? Because they have a role to play in God's providential plan and common grace to protect society. Look at verse 14. Peter writes, Or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. He, he uses these men, even in their wicked and evil state, he uses these men to punish those who do wrong. He uses these men to restrain evil in society. That is a major function of government. It, it's, its responsibility is to mete out justice and, and punishment for those who commit injustice and evil acts. And the welfare of society, God in his sovereign wisdom has said the welfare of society depends on us being subject to every human institution. How logical is that? Well, if I was God, that's not exactly how I'd be doing things around here. But that's what, that's what these inspired words tell us. Be subject to Nero. Be subject. Imagine sitting in a church, a secret church, on a Sunday in somebody's house with the shades drawn in North Korea. And the pastor opens his Bible to 1 Peter 2.13 and tells his church, be subject to Kim Jong-un. What do you think that would do. And yet, that pastor would be wisely preaching the word of God to care for his people, to teach them that God's providential purposes are being fulfilled as we obey the truth of his word. And so, the welfare of society is at stake by us being subject to these men. Even, because here's, here's what happens. At the end of Judges, Judges 21, 25, the, the writer of Judges says this, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's a society that is spiraling into hell. And that is what these words protect us from. So, so our motive is for the Lord's sake to, to bring him glory and to, to obey his words that society may be preserved. Secondly, our reason for submission is, is really simple. Verse 15, for this is the will of God. So not just for the Lord's sake, but this is the will of God. Be subject to every human institution, for this is the will of God. P 
Peter tells us why we obey, why we submit. It's God's will for us to do so because by doing so, he goes on to say, for this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. We will, we will, it doesn't mean everybody's gonna be put to silence. It doesn't mean that everyone is, is not gonna, is, is gonna come out of their ignorance and foolishness, but we do know that some, as we keep our conduct honorable, will see our good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The gospel will be adorned. Our good will, works will, will fulfill God's will and silence and, and ignorant and foolish people who reject God and who persecute his servants will see God. Our submission puts the gospel on full display. The original readers were viewed as a threat to the Greco-Roman society. They were a, a threat. And it was because they didn't engage in the sinful cultural activities of the day. They had come out of those activities. And they, they did not worship Caesar Nero, which was a serious chart as well. Sadly, though, some of the converts because of the Roman oppression, were, were called zealots. Even one of Jesus' disciples was called a zealot. They were radical zealots. They violently opposed the Roman government. They, they took the lives of Roman soldiers. And because of their behavior, they, they brought reproach upon all Christians. And that's going on in Peter's day and age. And that is why he writes, be subject to the Lord's sake. This, this is God's will. And then Peter moves on in, in verse 16. He says, listen, our, 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 our motive uh, of submission is for the Lord's sake. Our reason for submission is because it's the will of God, but also because of this. Verse 16, live as people who are free. Peter reminds us, reminds the readers of his letter back then, you are to live in submission to civil government, civil authorities, but you do so as those who are free in Christ. Those who have been freed from the slavery of sin. Those who've been freed from the wrath of God. Those who've been freed from the judgment of God. Those who have been freed from death. You are the ones who are to live free. Yes, you live under a civil government, but ultimately you're subject to who? The sovereign one, the ruler of the universe, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you are free. And in that freedom, you can do the will of God. Those who are not free are slaves to sin and cannot do the will of God. And so Peter reminds them, live as people who are free. Oh, and, 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 and don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Oh, that's just a whole nother section. Uh, we must use our freedom wisely, for, for Peter implies some have not. It's why he, even in verse 11, said, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of your flesh. Obviously, some had been living in the passions of their flesh, and now they're using their freedom Un unlawfully. We must use our freedom wisely. The Corinthian church, they adopted this slogan, all things are lawful for me. <laughs> yeah, well, Paul responds 
Because these, these Corinthians consider themselves liberated from all laws and they plunge into an array of sexual sins as a result of that. Oh yeah, I'm free. Paul writes in Romans 6, may sin increase where grace abounds. May it never be. No, 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 no. We don't, we don't use our freedom. We don't use this, this liberty we have in Christ the, the way some of these Corinthians were doing so. Paul says, yeah, you know, all things are beneficial, but, but not, or, not all, things are, all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. Some, some freedoms hurt other people. Some freedoms enslave the ones who exercise their freedom. Listen, we must use our freedom in Christ correctly to love our neighbors, to honor and serve God, to lead the lost to Christ by our conduct. That's what we use our freedom for. Jesus brought us out of slavery for something more than self-indulgence. We've been ransomed by Christ's blood. Peter, in, in verse 18 of chapter 1, so says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last time for the sake of you. So for your sake, Christ came and died on a cross. And for his sake, we humbly are subject to all civil authorities. Those, as free people, we do not use our freedom as an excuse to indulge in evil because genuine freedom liberates us to do what is right and, and good we submit as servants of God. We, we, we don't enjoy, I hope you understand this, I don't care if you're living in America, the, the, the land of the home and the free and the brave and, and the Constitution and all that. You, you, you have a restricted freedom. You don't have an unrestricted freedom to do whatever you please. You live under a civil government, but more importantly, you live under a sovereign Lord. So Peter Peter says, oh, use, use your freedom wisely. Our, our, reason, our reason for submission is because it is the will of God and because it adorns the gospel. And then finally, our, our practice of submission. And Peter, Peter ends this, this passage with four imperatives. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And it, it, it comes in, in two pairs, human relationships to believers and unbelievers, and then submission to divine authority and human authority. And the first is honor everyone. Now, that, that's, what does Peter say here? He says, honor everyone. You mean everyone. Yes, e e everyone. Peter is particularly addressing how we relate to and treat unbelievers because he's dealing with believers. And the next, he's talking about how we relate to unbelievers those who are different than us, who oppose us, those who have a very different worldview and belief from us, those who stand in opposition to our Christian faith. Honor everyone. Now, honor everyone doesn't mean you honor their behavior. You honor everyone because they are an image bearer of God. 
They, they bear the image of God. They are created in the image of God. They are loved by God. They are objects of God's divine salvation initiative. He, he is urging the saved, us, to have an attitude towards the lost that is in keeping with his attitude towards the lost. Honor everyone with the dignity they deserve as image bearers of me, the Lord says. They, and that means we should have respect for all men, for all bear his image and all deserve dignity as human beings to be respected. Now, obeying this command to honor everyone will profoundly change your life. It will profoundly affect you and everyone you come in contact with. Let me tell you why. Roy, Roy Nicholson in his commentary on 1 Peter makes a very profound and bold statement. He says this, Obedience to this command, honor everyone, will deal a mortal blow to all racial conflicts. In other words, he says, racism cannot exist in this atmosphere and not just racism, but every form of prejudice and bigotry and superiority and sinful judgment. No matter who these people are, we honor them as image bearers of God. Not their behavior, but as image bearers of God. Even those whose lifestyle is opposed to every biblical truth we hold dear, we honor everyone. Again, doing, doing this does not mean we approve of their behavior, but simply we acknowledge who they are as God's creation. Let me ask you this. What, what do you think about when you hear LGBTQ community? What immediately comes into your mind? Is it honor everyone? I suspect not. But even they are image bearers of God. How do you engage someone from this segment of society? Do you think about how to do good to them? How to practically love them? How to practically care for them? How to treat them? What a challenging act of submission this is. To not honor their behavior, but honor them as image bearers of God. And we're, we're called to do the same with everybody, to not have an attitude of superiority. Uh, the neighbor who does not like you, the employer who treats you badly, the family member who is gay, all, all these things. You just, all these people who make your life more difficult or, or, or more challenging. I was in Bed Bath & Beyond the other day, and I, I was buying something for Marilyn. I was, I do not, I do not normally go to Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> sure, sure. And one of the reasons I, I've been there, I hate that store, is because <laughs> the lines are so long. And so I'm, I'm waiting in this really long line, and I finally get to the, the, the register. And, and before I got to the register, I, I noticed there was just one, one woman, and she was like at this one register for like 15 minutes. It was this problem, it was that problem, it was call the store manager, get this price checked. And I'm, I'm just thinking in my attitude of superiority, that is not me, thank God. <laughs> Until I got to the register. And I handed him my thing, and he goes, huh, I don't know the price. 
Store price check. And I'm standing there with a long line behind me. I was her. My attitude of superiority quickly vanished. We are to honor everyone as image bearers of God with no attitude of superiority, with no bigotry, and no racism, no prejudice, no sinful judgment, so that we can adorn the gospel. Secondly, he says, love the brotherhood. This in purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. When we believed the gospel, we went from death to life. We went from enemies of God to children of God. His grace, brothers and sisters, have changed us. And as Christians, we now consider those in, among us as more important than ourselves. This, this love of the brotherhood far ex- even exceeds the, the honor everyone. This is, this is the, the family of God. This is the church of God. We put away our old life. We put away our, our selfishness. And we, we serve and we sacrifice for one another. That is what Peter is after here. We love from a pure heart. And thirdly, Peter, here is the most important of Peter's imperatives. He says this. He says, fear God. Fear God. Listen, above all else, don't don't fear the emperor. You You don't have to fear the emperor. Oh, no, no. In Matthew, in Matthew 10, 28, Jesus made it very clear who we fear. He says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't, listen, brothers and sisters of of Asia Minor, don't don't fear Nero. Don't don't fear Pontius Pilate. Don't fear Felix. Don't fear the Roman soldiers. No. You only fear one. Fear God. Fear God. Proverbs 1, seven tells us the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And that is what we, we do. And finally, Peter closes with really where he began. Honor the emperor. Now, as you said, only God is to be feared, but we have this command and responsibility to honor those in authority. And, and unlike the culture around us, which is if you, and I'm not on any social media, but, but I, I, I read the news on occasion, I'm not a, I, I turned the news off in 2016. I was so tired and wearied of talking heads. It's like watching the Muppets. Um, it was just, I just got wearied of it. And, and so I, I don't, but I, I hear enough. And the ridicule and mockery of those that God himself, as you read in Romans 13, 1 through 5, that God has placed in authority. So think about this. You mock and ridicule those in authority that God has placed there. Who are you mocking? Brothers and sisters, we live in this world and we keep our conduct good and honorable for the glory of God and for the proclamation of the gospel. 
We are free in Christ, free because he died on a cross for our sins that we would no longer be slaves to sins and he rose from the dead showing us that we will no longer die in our sins so that we can for his sake obey his will and bring glory to his name. And let me tell you the consequences of not submitting to every human institution. Fretting, fear, angst, arrogance, pride, division, fainting in trials, suffering. Listen, Peter is a loving pastor and he wants to care for his readers and protect them so that they can, they can live life in this world with their eyes fixed in the right place on Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are sovereign and that we worship you as the sovereign one. And Lord, thank you for the grace you give us to live in this world under every human institution and to be subject in such a manner that your name is glorified and your gospel is adorned. And Lord, we, we ask you once again this morning, would you help us do that by your spirit? Strengthen us and enable us Pour out your grace upon us that we can bring glory to your name. In Christ's name we pray.